0: Operation Confidence proudly presents America's Invisible Heroes, Talk Radio Show. Tune in weekly on Sundays from 2 p.m. to 3.30 p.m. Pacific Time with your host, Consuela Mackey. Co-host, Air Force veteran Matt Davidson. Announcers, Taylor Marcella and Brooke Cadetby. U.S. Army veteran and entertainment segment host, Charles Whitehead. U.S. Army Veterans and Strategies for host segment host, Dr. Kathy Cash. U.S. Army Veterans and Lifeline for Women Veterans, segment host, Martha Elena Varela. National Director of Faith Services, Chaplain and Veterans in Recovery, segment host, Anthony Akinfora. And U.S. Air Force Veterans and Incarcerated to Success, segment host, Kevin Lewandowski. For more information, or to be a guest on our show, email info at Operation Confidence, America's invisible hero.
2: Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Americans' Invisible Heroes. Uh, Yes, I'm your host, Consuela Mackey, the executive director of a grassroots nonprofit organization called Operation Confidence. I'd like all of you to know that uh, the show is a little bit different today because we are here in Los Angeles. And just in case, we're hoping that won't happen, but we may have a power outage. So just bear with us. Hopefully we won't. It's raining here now, a lot of rain. But other than that, we're going to go right on along with our show and then continue. No, I'm not a veteran, but my heart goes out to our American heroes, especially those who are disabled and have experienced homelessness. For those who are new to the show, American Invisible Heroes was established to provide a platform for our veterans and their families to be able to share their resources, challenges, accomplishments, and experiences. Now, we're gonna turn it over to our co-host. Yeah, well, actually, she's one of the board members, and that's Taylor Richardson. And Taylor, you're gonna introduce our co-host for today and take it from there.
3: Yes, ma'am. We have US Army Reserve veteran Charles Whitehead, who is a board member and entertainment co-host. And we have Anne Monahue and her monthly segment, The Rosie's Movement. Uh, Today's show will highlight co-host Anne Monahue, um, director of Thanks, Plain and Simple and guest June Robbins as a Rosie. So I will introduce Anne. Anne is a daughter of a Rosie and is about people, or is a daughter of a Rosie and it's about pulling people together to do high quality work for freedom. Through her West Virginia based nonprofit, she captured some of the stories of the estimated six million women referred to collectively as Rosie the Riveter. They served important roles on the home front during men's work needed for the war effort from 1941 to 1945. Had it not been for women, we might very well have lost World War II. I would Gemma Survivor, once flatly told Anne Monahue, and they, and a fascinating piece of history, have basically been ignored. So Anne, would you like to take over? Oh,
1: thank you so much, for sure. Um, Today, folks, I'm very, very pleased to tell you that um, we are going to be um, in Philadelphia, on uh, Labor Day. And most of you on this um, call here today have rung bells for Roses, but that's a a very special thing that we do on Labor Day. So when we go to Philadelphia to the Chapel of the Four Chaplains on September 4th, um, one of the important things we're going to be doing is ring bell for Roses. Um, Marissa Fox, who's on the line here, has been an outstanding helper since Nine, uh, 2014, and um, it's her daughter who rang the first bell for roses. So he was seven at the time, and now she's 14 years old. Now, what's going to happen in Philadelphia is that we will um, not only be uh, greeting the public with with uh, her daughter, whose name is Kendra Fox, but we will also be uh, present, when they dedicate a bell at the chapel of the four chaplains in the shipyards there in Philadelphia, they will be dedicating a special bell that they've had made for Rosie the Riveters. So it's kind of like the bell day. I will say, though, that every time we complete a project, we ring a bell for Rosie's. And I've been thinking that every time we present on on your show here, Consuela, we should ring a bell (laughs) at the end. (laughs) Why not, right? right. In any event, um, the guest that we have today is uh, one whopper of um, Rosie. um, Her name is June Robbins. I'm not going to give a whole lot of background because we'll let her talk about herself. But I met June somewhere around 2014, something like that. And she went to the Netherlands with us um, in 2015. And then again in 2017, we asked her then to be a board member. June is a very exceptional person because she not only is Jewish and understands the war from the Jewish perspective, but she's a super American uh, citizen who's done a, a lifetime of work. One thing, I'll say a lifetime of labor, then I'll try to make a a small pun. But when I say labor, she had seven children, and all but one of them were natural childbirth. Oh,
2: my goodness.
1: (laughs) That that tells you she's a doer, right? One of my favorite phrases that, that June uses all the time when we get bogged down on something, she'll just say, get her done, get her done. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so
1: we're going to get her done. So, June, I'm hoping people can hear you. And let's just um, start with some general questions. Um, why don't you tell them about your childhood there in Philadelphia and uh, you essentially living with your mother in a, a small apartment and getting ready to go to work every morning. Is that the place you'd like to start?
4: Well, let's see. I was 17 in a high school. And uh, the war was going on. My mother was already working at the Philadelphia Navy Yard on the aircraft side, as was her sister Marion. And uh, I was absolutely determined to do something about helping the war effort. So I convinced my teachers to uh, permit me to take a, dra- a uh, mechanical drawing course. And uh, Yeah, lose yeah, of you to- course, and uh, of course I was the only girl in the department, but that didn't make any difference. They gave me a crash course, and I did so well that uh, the teacher recommended uh, me to the navy yard. And much to my surprise, they accepted the seventeen-year-old. When I look at a photo, looked at a photograph of myself on the floor uh, working with. Uh, a number of uh, women and men, mostly men, of course. Uh, I have a ribbon in my hair and I know I'm still wearing bobby socks and saddle shoes. (laughs) I have to laugh at my year old, but I did very well. They taught me well and I did very well there. I already had five cousins already in the service and uh, my boyfriend was in the service. I wrote to everybody, um, and... careful uh, messages to, uh, to each of them. And uh, my mother helped me write a few of them. It was just uh, an amazing experience. There was a uh, a singer, and Pierce, that used to sing... Um, uh, what was that now? Um, a bee like I, a bird of, um, and help me on that one. A bluebird of happiness, I think. The blue, the blue bird of happiness, that was it. Right. At a certain point at uh, his song, my mother would leave for work and uh, they had carpools at the time, and mom would say goodbye and she would go. And then I would hear at a certain point on his song, and I would say goodbye, Jan, talking to the radio and uh, I would leave, catch the trolley car and the bus and another trolley car and a bus to get down to the Navy Yard. And I'll never forget those trips. The great unwashed, nobody had time to take a shower or a bath. The men would bring their lunch with them. They didn't change their clothing. They were absolutely anxious to get to work. Uh, Those that couldn't get into the service, Made at work, and we women filled in. I would say that uh, the workforce uh, during the war was 40 percent women uh, in the uh, in the industries, plus all the other women that sat at the sewing machines and made clothing and food and had for the service people, plus all the volunteers that. Uh, made sure that their days were down at night, and no light was going. Uh, women who did uh, farming when their husbands left, and the uh, uh, the other uh, little plots of land that uh, women turned to uh, little farms so that they could get fresh vegetables. Uh, some of the industries that I was surprised to find there were so few still managed to have little uh, rooms set aside women who had to come to work with their children. There weren't many of them but uh, at least there were a few at that time. We were underpaid. We got minimum salary. I know one time I looked at my uh, salary uh, card and uh, I turned around to one of the women and I said, what is this they work at the fair? And she said, dear, if they gave you a better mark, They would have to give you a raise in salary, and they're not going to do it. And I looked at my, I save everything. Boy, do I have a collection of everything. I hate to get rid of anything, (laughs) because it may be valuable someday. Uh, I was, we were all stressed, tremendously underpaid, but it was important for us to do the work and do the work perfectly. There were no mistakes made anywhere. We all worked hard, so we all worked together. Uh, a group of us played uh, baseball together on the field at the Navy Yard. Uh, we also had a bowling team. I was terrible at it, <laughs> but that's okay. We enjoyed each other's company, but that that was important. Immediately after the war, Everybody in Philadelphia went towards City Hall and thousands upon thousands of people were crying and laughing
0: and hugging and kissing. It was an amazing scene. We even had bands out there in the street as
4: we celebrated VJ Day and the the end of the war. And I remember bringing home a band. Uh, They followed me home and they played And uh, my mother's in my apartment, so the neighbors could hear it. Uh, Since I wasn't serving liquor or anything, they left
1: very quickly after that. I could offer them coffee, but that's it. So, Jen, um, I think maybe we should open it up to some questions here. Um, I know for sure that um, uh, Marissa Fox is looking forward to meeting you and... Uh, I think she had a question maybe was was from one of her her girls. Uh, did you have a question, Marissa? Looks like we may, we've we've lost her. What happened here? Oh that, that's too bad. Well, um, I know that one of the things people are always fascinated by when you talk June is that you had relatives in Europe, you had Jewish relatives in Europe. And we here in America did not recognize the problem oh. in Europe. Tell us about that.
4: So see, my grandfather would read his Yiddish uh, newspaper and he would say, Oh my god, they're burning villages, they're sending people to concentration camps. Millions of people are being sent to concentration camps. Not just Jews here, but to feed whoever was in, that, in the room with them. And then finally, people were able to uh, find jobs and uh, get out of the ghettos in uh, New York and in Philadelphia and move into the uh, general society. June, I that's, uh, uh, that's the same way that all the immigrants that came, the Irish came, the Catholics came, you, you name it, everybody came
1: to the United States because this was the land of the free, and this was a place where you could make something of yourself and be accepted for who you are and what you can do. And, and uh, I, I want you to talk about um, there were people of persons of color, if you will. That's the way we say it today. We certainly didn't say it then. Um, Charles, do you have any questions about the employment of of uh, women who are of color?
2: Um, I, you know, I have I don't have questions before me, but I I, I would ask you know uh, what was that uh, uh, June that uh, how was that experience with working with uh, women of color and you know how things were so um, you know different back then you know. I'm sure It
4: didn't make any difference as long as you could do the work.
1: So judge people a man by interested. judge a man and a woman by their character, not the color of their That's skin, by right, by, June? It's
4: <laughs> by the work they could do, yeah. not by their their color. Yeah. I have a photograph of uh, people getting aboard the ship to do work. People of all colors and all backgrounds. And uh, somebody said, "Well, what about the Asians?" You better believe they were also there. They were Americans, the same as we were. That's right. So
0: we had had Japanese and we had
4: Chinese. You you name it. Whatever country they came from, as long as they could do the work, they were accepted. Interesting.
1: Very interesting. And tell them exactly what you made in that particular location.
4: Oh, our particular uh, department was taking the Cargo ship and trying to transform it into a uh, a trip carrier ship. And I had the pleasure of seeing uh, some of the ships uh, named. One uh, vice president's wife was standing on a platform with a bottle of champagne attached to a uh, rope, the ribbon, <clears throat> and she swung <laughs> and she missed, and everybody groaned. She looked terribly embarrassed, but she was saved. Somebody came over, gave it another swing, and the bottle crashed Finally, and the ship was launched. Dry dock number one. It just slipped right. They opened up the gate, and it slipped
1: right into the river. Oh, my goodness. Now, you know that we've talked to people who uh, welded, uh, Rosies who welded ships, and they were never invited to the uh, launching of the ship. And they were very hurt by that. So one woman I interviewed probably seven, eight years ago, she and her uh, workmate were up on a scaffold and they were very angry that it was going to be launched the next day and they weren't invited. So they decided just to flip themselves over. So they flipped themselves over and they were stowaways and they weren't found in the ship till it was way out to sea.
4: was invited to this. And by the way, we had the President president Roosevelt uh, drive by in his open limo. And oh my God, did he look sick. Oh, did he? I mean, we almost almost cried when we saw him. Interesting. But imagine, we saw the President, he came to see us. Yeah. Amazing.
1: And of course, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt was a very, very uh, important player in uh, getting women into the workforce and also getting childcare of different kinds.
2: I have a question for, for June.
1: Uh-huh.
2: I want everyone to you, I don't know if it was in your presentation, but she is so articulate. She knows everything for the letter. Did you ever mention her age
1: now? No. I think she'll tell you. June, June tell
2: us how
4: old you are. I'm 96. Is I'm that amazing? <laughs> The twentieth, September twentieth. I'm, I'm looking forward to 120. There you go. I'm
1: I'm am I'm, I'm, I'm gonna okay. stop at 103. That gives me um uh, um I think 19 more years.
4: <laughs> so my next door neighbor is 99, and she beats the heck out of me. She can do everything. <laughs> really? i envious of her. She's wonderful. It's so oh, amazing it's though. She, with those so many wonderful people and learn from so many wonderful people. And
2: she can go back and remember all those years. And, and yeah, she really.
4: Today.
2: And she's, I mean, she's such a role model you are, Jim.
4: My boyfriend was in the Navy at that time and his brother Herman worked on the ground floor of the same building that I was in. And he used to come up almost every day to check up on me. I was so embarrassed, but I did not know how to handle or talk to a, a man. I'm 17, for heaven's sake. How do you tell a grown man, please go away and leave me alone? Everybody <laughs> is staring at me. I think you're my boyfriend, but I couldn't say anything. Finally, I think somebody gave him the word. And he, uh, after a couple of weeks of delaying me, at least that's the way I looked at it, he probably reported back to uh, my boyfriend, <laughs> but he finally left me alone. Thank heavens. Uh, we we're absolutely wonderful in our department. Uh, uh, is, uh,
3: uh, we looked
4: after one another. We really did.
1: Yeah, see, that's what I miss, actually. I grew up with people work, uh, uh, looking out for one another. And the world has changed, hasn't it, Joan?
4: I'm afraid it has. Yeah,
1: it's, it's too oh, bad.
4: Yeah, no I don't know why we're not talking to one another. I live no. with other senior citizens here at Wesley, and we're told, do not discuss politics. <laughs> and I don't like that. I want to talk about <laughs> politics. It's part of living.
3: Yes,
2: and,
1: and Charles has a question.
2: Oh, yeah, I was asking her uh, cause I didn't hear who she said that was that was checking up on her. Okay. Um
1: What did you say? Charles, repeat it, please.
2: Oh, man, I couldn't understand who she said that was that was checking on her and that it
0: embarrassed her and had. Oh, it... I
1: said she. He wants to know more about that male that that you didn't oh, know so how he, to talk to. Who was my, that? It was my
4: boyfriend's older brother. Oh, okay. He was the on the ground floor of the building. By the way, the building was all metal, so that at no air conditioning. Oh
1: my gosh!
4: In the winter, it had a heat reheat system, and in the uh, summertime, uh, it had huge fans blowing, and all it did was blow the superheated hot air all around until you dripped sweat on your work.
1: Oh really? Honestly, and you
4: had to you had to use something to mop it up. <laughs>
1: You know, one of the things I, I want to work with you on one of these days, June, is uh, I'm 84 and I've seen so much change, and you've seen another 20 years, 22 years of change. Oh uh, no, what is it? 12 years of change more than me or whatever. But uh, the thing is.